Okay, so I have a question for you. Is balance a myth? Particularly women who are listening, moms, career women, and those who are building their dream businesses. Can you have balance in the midst of family and children and career and business? I remember reading in an article, and the title of it was The Myth of Women Having It All. A myth because the author writes, you cannot, you cannot have it all. But here's my question, what is all? Who defines this quote unquote all thing? Is it women? Is it society? And why do we buy into it? I mean, I personally believe that it sets us up once again as women to think that there is something outside of us that gives us what we need. We already have what we need. Everything we have, we have within. But this balanced myth thing makes it seem like, am I doing enough? Am I enough? Is there more I should be doing? Well, the short answer is no, there's no more that you should be doing. And yes, you are enough. And so it's so good to connect with like-minded women. So before I move forward, please be sure to subscribe to the Gift to Shift podcast on your favorite listening platform. I'm so grateful for your feedback these last few weeks. It's only been about six weeks since we launched and the support has been tremendous. Thank you so much as we explore these topics and we journey on what we call life. As we pivot and we shift, we've been doing a lot of that lately. So I appreciate all of your support. It's the perfect time, though, to go ahead and share on your social media sites and tag me when you do. All of my handles are gift to shift and I look forward to connecting with you. So Julie Ann was the regional director of the East Coast for Aerosol Shoe Corporation. She was managing over 45 stores. Now she's the CEO and founder of the Glossy Connection, where she is coach and goal strategist of guiding people to find the balance of love and money. Julianne is married. She has a two-year-old and a five-and-a-half-year-old, and we talk about it all, from mommy shaming to what it means to be a mom to building her company at the same time, raising young children, creating a self-care routine. I mean, we really get into it. So I'm so grateful you're here listening and let's get to it. Kind of how you started, what it is that you're doing, what you did prior to motherhood. Like, give us a little bit of background about that. Sure. Oh my goodness. Okay. So let's, you know, my journey started, let's just say in Penn State. And then after Penn State University, I was really lucky to, you know, I was in retail and retail just kind of took me from my feet and kind of ran, you know, like it made me just keep going. And I grew within retail. I was with the company for about 10 years and I grew up in there. You know, I was store manager. I made it to district manager right away and ended up from at regional director, which was phenomenal. You know, my career was something that I can honestly say really helped me also develop and really learn a lot about myself, right? Because I went from being constantly, you know, being told my family, my parents that being the leader, right? Being the teacher out there. And um, it was a great journey, you know, the corporate world, retail world. I got to see a lot of different places. You know, I was, I was major in travel, like outside of my corporate world. I love to travel prior to kids. You know, I was always like, hey, I'm in Australia today in Greece. And, you know, that free life for a quick second. <laughs> <laughs> you're laughing because you're like, <laughs> yeah, you know, just jump on a plane. Oh, you want to go tomorrow? Sure. No problem. Let's go. Mm -hmm. And um, it was, a, I mean, I'll tell you prior to kids, I'm glad I took those, that journey, you know, um, I'm glad that I was able to just kind of, you know, experience life, not just from a, a career place, but experience life from actually the world, right? Seeing how different people live, the different cultures. So I feel like that really helped me realize what I wanted out of life. And the more I looked at being in the retail corporate world, the money was great, right? But the time that I put and dedicated into that, it just, there was a point, it was great for my 20s, but then I was like, okay, what, what's next? What's next, you know? Me and my husband had met in 2010 and we traveled for about four years, like hardcore traveled. I still was working for the company. And um, when we started talking about kids, my lifestyle of working, you know, I don't know. Let's just say, I feel like it was 150 hours a week, realistically. Right. Because even right. when I came home, you know, the stores were still open. Mm -hmm. You know, my, the owner of the company would call me 5 a.m. before his flight to, you know, China, Italy, asking me for numbers. So it's like, even though I was home, there was no quality of life for balance. 
There were no, it sounded like there was no boundaries either. There was no boundaries. There was no, it was just, I kind of felt like he was my dad almost, you know, to be honest with you, you know, like call and, you know, because it was a a small, but big company and I, I had the biggest territory, you know, you know, you had the East coast in your hands, you know, the money makers, it's like you stop and drop whenever, you know, there was a point that I had almost 40 something stores, you know, how many regionals underneath me, how many district managers. So that journey for me uh, was fantastic, but something had to change, you know? Well, I can relate to you. I worked in retail and it is not easy. It is not easy. It is like, and you know what I remember the most about it is adrenaline rush. It was this sense of like energy. It was like, sales were up, people would come in and purchase thousands of dollars of products or retail, you know, items. And I remember getting, uh, you know, this energy from it. And Mm -hmm. I would be there for hours. And and not even realize it. And not even realize it. (laughs) Then you have people coming in and coming out. And you know, it's a lot of hard work. But obviously, like you said, it doesn't really support the lifestyle. And I think also that at that time in your life, there was more flexibility for us to say, you know what? It's okay if I work 10 hours. It's not a big deal. Right. You know, the main focus was moving up the career right. um, path, so to speak, right. and going ahead and making sure that you basically banked and you, you made money, you know? And money that, was. And money was king, know? right? Yes. You know, it's interesting, right? Because even when I went up through the chain, right? I didn't have to be in stores on the weekends, right? You're regional, you know, you're going to national manager, you know, sales manager, you're, you're supposed to be flying. This is like the better days. You know, it was just having like, it it was like having going from like one baby to 10 babies to like 40 babies and and their babies, baby, you know? So it was just, it was great, but something had to change because, you know, my family, I'm very blessed and lucky for the, you know, the path that they paved. But they were, you know, they were workhorses at the end of the day. So my parents dropped me off, let's just say, at times seven in the morning. Sometimes I didn't see my mom till like six. Sometimes I did see her at three o'clock. She would run me to ballet. But like, it was just kind of like that pull and tug life. And I always told my husband, I was like, I I pray and I want to put out into the universe that when we have kids and we plan, I can be home with them more and I can see them and really be a part of their life and their development. So we really shifted the focus on what my life plan was going to be. Good for you. I mean, I think that that intention of creating that reality for yourself obviously manifested. I can't wait to hear more about that. And so you bring up a good point um, in regards to your parents, because one of the things I'm most interested in is really finding out how you feel your culture played a role of how you are as a mother today. And just from a perspective of being a Latina, it's a really important role, motherhood. But I remember feeling, you know, my grandmother worked, my mother worked. I just don't remember seeing this kind of struggle, so to speak. And I, when I say the word struggle, I mean more so of, you know, there was no issue. You, you went to daycare, you went to school, you were there for 10 hours a day, and this is what you just did. You know, I feel like now when I look on social media or I'm connecting with women, there's a struggle for them of if they should allow their children to go to school for that long, you know, that we're not being good moms because kids are in school for longer periods of time and you want to be able to have the quote unquote, you know, dream and have it all be able to stay home with your kids or work from home or be an entrepreneur. And there's a lot of stuff in that. And so I'm curious to find out how you feel culture played a role in the mother that you are today. Oh, I think it played a huge role. You know, I will say, I agree. My mom never showed, at least, and, and God bless her and her strength. She never was like, oh my God, they're getting on the bus. Oh my God, <laughs> I'm leaving them for 10 days. I mean, 10 hours. I felt like 10 days sometimes to me, but you know, and you just go, right? Like you just kind of, I feel like it almost becomes like anything, right? It becomes robotic almost. Like you just realize like, this is what it is. I have to go to work and I have to be able to, you know, feed my kids, give them what they want, give them the best clothes, whatever it is that they, you have to provide, right? Roof over the heads. Like, I feel like that was the mentality back then. Like I need the roof, the, the clothing, the food, right? Like, so they did what they had to do. And I feel for me, it played a role because I saw my mom struggle though with balance, right? So for me, I was very heavy into ballet. You know, she started me like three, four years old. I mean, I went all the way up to like 16 years old where my time 
you know, doing this, it went from like an hour of ballet twice a week to 20 hours of ballet four times a week down in Dancy of Harlem. We lived in the Bronx. So she would pick me up because she never really, you know, my mom was definitely one of those that you're not taking the train. So she would pick me up, leave work, run there. Like I just saw her constantly running. And I feel like when I look back at that, I feel I almost had a different opinion or different wanting to create a different space for me and my children in life right because my mother was kind of all you know my dad was kind of like the one that would just show up you know like five minutes before like 505 sometimes and the recital started at five o'clock or 455 because they were like running from work and i think that that played a key role for me because it was like what can i do differently how can I be there? How can, you know, my mom would go on the trips, but it was like, she always had to check in and find a way to take all, you know, for her to come with me. And I see, I saw it as it was a blessing, but I also saw like, what are we going to do? And there, I will tell you, Aisa, there is a real struggle for moms. You know, I'm, I'm involved with a lot of women. I have a lot of, obviously my main client is women. I'm in a lot of mom groups. I've always, even when I was pregnant, I joined a mom group before I even had a child. So just, just to be surrounded, <laughs> right, right, right? right? Like sure, not sure, all my I friends see. were having kids at the That's time. Right. So I needed to surround myself and start understanding. And I feel like there's a different pressure. I think there's a different pressure of, you know, how do I go to work or how do I put my kids down so I can cook even? Like I, even to that small degree, there's a pressure. You know, I, I noticed there's a pressure of, my child's playing by themselves. I need to go play with them. Where, where I will tell you, I think that that's great that we're more aware. But I feel like the guilt level of women right now has, it's like at a thousand percent where I feel like they, women, and it happens with me as well. And it, especially with COVID now, right? The kids, the, my two kids, I have my five-year-old daughter. I have my almost two-year-old son. They're like in my face all the time. I'm balancing two businesses, my husband's home. So it's a very different balance right now. But what I realize is even women sitting down or friends, let's not even just saying women, friends sitting down to chat or they're playing by themselves. I have to play with them. We have to play more games. Like I love my parents, but they weren't sitting and playing with me in house and Barbies and games all the time. And I think you, I remember That's both. Right. Yeah. They weren't. <laughs> they weren't. They were hanging out with their friends in the living room. You go in they the were room. having right. They were chatting and they were like, go into your room and go figure out what to do. Right. I don't know. Yeah. Go outside. You know, there was no like, oh, I have to get this for the backyard or I have yeah. to do this. It was like, you go outside, you can play with the grass. You can watch the grass grow if you'd like, but don't come inside. You know, <laughs> it was that adult time. Right. It was adult time. And you knew that and there was no sense and you figured things out. But you're right. And you hit on a really important topic that women and mothers nowadays really have this sense of feeling this heavy emotional guilt on top right. of what it is that they're doing. So you're at home, you're the mom, you prepare meals, you feel like there's another level of interaction that you need to have yes. with your children. And all of that to say you know, I can't help but think that this comes from social media. I mean, because the same, this, and I'll be interested to find, find out what you think about it, but I kind of feel like the comparison of by no, in no way, shape or form am I saying that it's the issue of social media, but is the issue of the images that social media portrays of what motherhood is like. I believe now there's a shift happening. I believe that now women are now starting to say, you know what? Um, Simplicity over craziness, or it's okay if my kids are doing X, Y, and Z activities, or it's okay that I didn't finish all the laundry or wasn't able to keep the house clean the way I really wanted to. I mean, I don't know where the heavy guilt comes in, but I definitely have felt it and continue to feel it. And I have to check myself. I have to say, no, you are an incredible mom and it's going to be okay. You know, the kids are going to be okay. And so what is, because when I said social media, you were like, yeah, I don't know. So tell me what you feel about that. You know, um, I do want you to know this. I, I used to really feel that heavy guilt. I used to, I, you know, I'm not saying that it, I don't feel that anymore. There's moments that I'm like, eek, you know, like I should have spent more time, but I think I, for me, I've kind of found a balance and a process for that. And I'm a very visual person. So I've literally had to put my planner in my face and say, oh, I colored today, like in my planner for me. So that when I see that pink, cause that's the color I, w- I started with Dave and I never changed it for Phoenix. I don't know why, but I would feel like, okay, you know, I've spent some time with them. It doesn't have to be 20 hours a day. 
But I will say this. I think this, there's a twofold to what you mentioned with social media. I think, and, and um, I'll share this with you. I haven't been posting a lot at all, at all, like during COVID. I like share something here and there because I've been so focused on business, also making sure that I'm developing the, my children at home and just enjoying my husband being home too, right? Like he was commuting an hour each way and he, he's home, right? And so I've had people say, Julie, everything okay? What's going on? And I'm like, no, everything's great. I'm just like, I'm just not posting all the time, you know, because I would... I post a lot. That's just what I do. There's two things that I think that happens. It's happening. First, I think that the guilt is coming from people looking at social media. I 100% agree with you. I do. I think people see like the happy life and people don't always post about it. I'm not one to really sit there and be like, oh, this, you know, look, yesterday I was at one of my best friend's father's who passed away his life celebration, but I didn't post about all that. Just first of all, that's her privacy, right? Let's start there. And it's not something that I chose to share. You know, I mean, but I think that when people see these happy pictures, they're like, oh, how do I do that? Or how do I go there and look at them? And oh, now they're playing, you know, they're building a volcano. I saw somebody the other day building a volcano. I was like, oh my gosh, I feel like I should be building a volcano. Like, you know? That's exactly it. That's you exactly know, like, it. It's not that, that, but at the same time, like, I'm like, that's a great idea because I am looking for stuff sometimes to do with them, you know? And I'm not the most crafty person. My daughter can teach you about credit scores. She could sit here and tell you, she can tell you how to do a selfie, how to fix it. She could tell you how to write a quote, but how to build a volcano. You know, I haven't done that since like fifth grade, you know, but yeah. so I think that, but I think what's also happening for moms and for children is instant gratification. And what happens with that, that heaviness and that guilt, right? So let's just say now you post it and you get like five likes, like maybe it wasn't good enough. Maybe it's not enough time, you know, or if your child sees something on TV where in my house, just so you know, we don't have any commercials here on purpose. Right? right? Because these commercials are feeding these kids like what to buy and how life should look. And I'm like, cutting, we cut all that out. Right. So people start seeing this and they start saying, well, how can I be that person? Which puts another layer of guilt, right? Because if you see it, there's like the crunchy mom, there's the stay at home mom, working mom, there's the mom who, you know, goes out and works nine, you know, nine to seven. And I think it depends where the person's at with their family. They're single moms, right? Like I work all day and my kids, I don't have a nanny or they're in school. So I feel like that pressure kind of continuously shifts. And I think social media does play a role, but I think, I think it's social media. And I also got to say, I think it's a little bit sometimes of the school, right? Teachers are being more vocal out there as well saying, well, see, they want us to be babysitters or now you have the work. Now you see what we go through. And didn't that happen on COVID? Like, you know, I had some people say, oh my God, the teacher's like, see, now you know what we go through. And now it's time for you to, learning starts at home and you're getting that. And then you're like, am I good enough? You start questioning yourself. And my goodness, that when that doubt comes in, because it's happened to me. And I remember when I was shifting, you know, into motherhood with Ava McKenzie, when that doubt comes in, it comes in heavy. Yeah. And I think that, you know, in regards to what you're saying about social media, uh, you're right. It is a twofold, double-edged sword. Mm -hmm. And most of it, for me, happens within our own heads. So yeah. the reason why we feel a certain way is because we really haven't established a supportive coping skill mechanism, routine, tools, skills, whatever it is, to see, oh, I see a post about volcanoes. Oh, that would be a great idea. One school of thought. The other school of thought is, I can't believe I don't have time to make any volcanoes. Where does she get that? You know what I mean? As opposed to like thinking, yep. you know what? That's actually a really good idea. And so that brings me to another question, <laughs> which has to do with this kind of shift that we as mothers don't allow to happen among each other. So there's disconnect, not all the time, but there's always someone who is like, who does she think she is? Or why is it that, you know, I don't have that flexibility. I don't have that type of time or, you know, financial flexibility to be able to say, I have to work. So I don't have a choice. And so there's always this kind of rub. And I feel like if we would really kind of gather, <laughs> like right. principally and gather and support, you know, it does take a community and it does take a group to be able to raise children. And right. if I look back at our ancestors, you know, not from the previous generation, but two and three generations ago, 
that's how it was done. It was like Saturdays and Sundays, or at least Sundays, you were at, you know, a relative's house, you were connecting, you know, there was shared meal preparation, so to speak, there was shared responsibilities with kids, you know, you'd be able to go and you knew that your kid would be okay and that you, you know, a few eyes on them and they'd be able to run around and then you would have a break to be able to just take a breath. And the isolation that's happening that we have really chosen and kind of put ourselves into, which is, you know, from a sense of mothering, just mothers in general and connecting. I believe there's some groups out there and there's some people, but, you know, there's still this level of kind of pivoting, pushing up against each other, meaning, and then the lack of community from family. So it's not that you're not close to your family. It's just that things are different. And so there's no, I don't know, weekly, you know, time. I mean, some people have that possibility to do that. But, you know, my family doesn't really live close. I have one relative that lives 15 minutes away from me. But besides that, there's not, you know, the aunts and the uncles and the cousins. There's a concept that comes from that that means that, you know, we really dig deeper into really establishing roots in the community. And so there's a level of isolation that happens. And that isolation for women, I believe, is disastrous. I, I will say, you know what, because of a fear that I had when I first got pregnant with Ava, Mackenzie, and if you remember, I said to you, I joined a, a mommy group when she was in my belly because when I really looked at my surroundings, right? I didn't have that. You know, my friends were like across the water or in different states, like my true close friends and they weren't having babies. You know, my best friend and I were, our children are six weeks apart, but she's in Long Island. I'm in New Jersey. You got to cross two bridges to get to one another. Like, so although it seemed ideal, it's not like we saw each other often. And I'll tell you, when I went into, the, I went into a different couple mommy groups, some were friendly, Aisa, and some made me, f- I walked out. Like, you know, I'll tell you. And, and it's sad because you really look at how women treat one another. And it stems even before motherhood. You know, I can tell like my lipstick, how it was bright and pink and here I am. And, you know, and, and this is even after when I had Eva McKenzie, it was just kind of like, who does she think she is sometimes? You know, I mean, my mom's always raised me like I put myself together before I go out. You know, it's just who I am. And it's everybody's different. You know, I've always put my gloss and my mascara. That's probably this was for you today. This little eyeshadow. You know? <laughs> I feel so beautiful. I feel so honored that you would do that. Thank you so much. I mean, you're absolutely gorgeous anyway. But Thank you. Yeah, but, but I understand what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. And so there is an isolation, you know, and that's why I kind of like forced myself and I found some people, but I've had the time to do that. So when I see moms that don't, that are working, you know, till five, six o'clock, they're getting home, they're cooking. Listen, there's people in my community right now that commute back and forth. And I'm just meeting them like, we, you're the first person we've met here in three years. Wow. I moved here in three years. I haven't met anybody. And, you know, my daughter's this, so my son's this. And it's really interesting. And I feel like I've been working towards building a hub, right? Because all we can do is try to build hubs because back in the day, you're right. I would go and we would be 20 cousins deep. Right, right? exactly. All, you know, all the so friends. All hours of the night. Yeah, all yep. hours of the night. I, I remember when like six years old, waking up on like a bunch of coats, like getting pulled, like we're going home, right? Because I was in the coat room sleeping, right? Like, right, right. which was a fun which was Which was the bedroom, the coat room. Right, you know, bedroom. like to me it was so much fun. Yeah. And I will tell you like, it's very different now because I'm doggy paddling sometimes to find play dates for my daughter. Yeah. You know, so although I have my mom close and my sister-in-law, and I'll admit I've never had anybody else watch my kids. I've never had babysitters. I've never had nannies. And I'm blessed and favored in that. I'm grateful every single day. But I am like, okay, who can I call so she could have a friend over? You know, at school, let me stay a little longer so I can meet some moms. And you got some moms who are rushing out, some moms who don't want to chat, who are not feeling good with themselves to even have the conversation with another mom. Yeah. And that not feeling good about yourself is, I think, I don't know where it comes from, from each person has their own journey and what it is that they're going through. But I do think that, you know, there is a perspective of really finding who you are in the midst of motherhood. Mm -hmm. And we prepare so much for the baby coming, the room, you know, the schedule once they're here and preparing bottles or nursing or whatever it is that you're doing. And there's no preparation for self. 
There's no preparation for self. Not one that I believe is like globally or sensually spoken about so easily. And so there's obviously postpartum depression, which I faced after having my twins. And that was a really tough time because I come from a lineage like most women of strong women. Mm -hmm. And the reality was that I did not allow myself to accept the fact that I needed help. I was just like, this is just what you do. This is what you do. (laughs) You do this and you do it and you do it as best as you can. And you you don't fail because we don't don't like failing. We don't like failing. failing. And so, you know, if your mom did it and she's a single mom, you can do it too. That's just what we do. We do that. You figure right? it out. It's figure everything it out, is yeah. figure outable. That's what I always say, yeah. you know. And and that's you know what? As great as it sounds, that can create some very dark moments because right. if you can't figure it out. You don't want to voice it because you don't want to feel like you failed. You're you're staring at your kids and you're like, oh my goodness, right. I'm supposed to be your everything, and I feel like I'm not right. Yeah. So you start having those moments, and my goodness, I used to, I'll tell you this. Like, I mean, I didn't fully experience the depression part. I feel like for me, I experienced the isolation part and I'm sure it's one or the other, but it's very, you know, maybe it's different. Maybe it's not, but I kind of remember being like, I'm home. I got this on lock for the most part, but like, where is everybody? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, my family came and helped. Right, right, right. You know, my parent, my mom, like you, you know, your mom comes and helps, but like she gets to go home and that's great. But I'm just like, what do I do? And, and breastfeeding was terrible for me. And you know, it's funny. I have a friend right now who just had a baby. I think her son is 21 or, and she just had a baby and she's been documenting like her fourth, she's calling it the fourth trimester. And I got to tell you, I said to her, I was like, I wish I knew about the fourth trimester. Trimester, She's like, she's taking care of herself. Yes, it's all about the baby, but she's making sure she's nourishing her body for healing. She's making sure that she's getting some reading time. She's posting it. I I had genuine conversation because she's also showing some of the havoc, like I haven't slept and I haven't this. But her time is she plants. So she has like a little garden. She She lives in an apartment. So it's not like she has this beautiful backyard. I mean, I have my backyard. I still don't even have any of those vegetables, but... But that's her thing, right? Like she's doing something called the fourth trimester. And I think I said to her, I was like, you should document this and like make a book or actually really create, maybe it's not even a book, create like something where you can put on Kajabi, you could do something or coach women how to have this because so many women don't do this. Right. And it's not the conversation that's had. It's not the conversation that we're having in regards to what do we do? How does it look like? What do we make? you know, how do we create coping mechanisms, support systems in place to be able to, if you're away from your family, if you have your family near, there's still that time that really needs to be taken for you. And self-care is um, part of that. So how do you incorporate self-care into mothering? Right. Well, for me, there's a couple things. I'm big on exercise. So with Ava McKenzie, I was able to do CrossFit. So about seven, eight months. Great. With Phoenix, I could not work out past three or four months. I could not. I just could not. I think for me, it's, I take a couple of minutes in the morning, even if they're up or they're not, like I have to have that quiet time. I have to find, even if it's five, 10 minutes, you know, I'm big on exercise. So I take my time to work out and listen, I'm not super fit or nothing, but listen, if it's a walk, even if they have to come with me for the, I'm like, we're going for a walk mm-hmm. in my house with COVID right now. I used to, because I don't have the gym to go to, we built a gym kind of here, but it's still not going somewhere to let it all go. We wake up in the morning, we brush our teeth, clean our face, and we take the kids for a two-mile walk because I'm like, if I don't do this, first off for them to burn some of morning energy. Mm-hmm. If I don't do this immediately, it's not going to happen. And I, for my mental clarity and peace, I need to move my body. Right. You know, I'll go on my porch. I'll do some stretches, you know, at night. At night, sometimes I just sit outside. It's just, I'm very big on getting that air, that sun, you know, and even if it's those little things, there's a lot of things I can, I do, but for me, that quiet moment is important. It is, you know what I mean? And even if you have to put your kids in front of a show oh, to get that quiet moment, like if they're watching Thomas the train or whatever, right? You put them in front of that show because there's also this sense of like the American Academy of Pediatrics 
has suggested that children under the age of three should not be watching. Right, yeah, okay. And you're just like, wait, uh, wait, yeah, wait, wait, wait. To me, I'm like, so do they come over and keep, um, keep right? them busy in those moments? Because we're not big screen time people here. We're, we're really a right. lot of music. I will say we wake up, a lot of music is on, different genres, just to kind of like do something different with the energy. But when it's, when I need a moment like this, us having time right now, you know, when we have to, I'm still running two businesses. So I have to find these moments for myself. My daughter knows, mommy, did you have your coffee? Listen, it is what it is. I have one cup of coffee a day and that one cup of coffee, let me enjoy it, please. Give me a second. You know, like I don't have five or six, but that one, just give me a moment. Let me just have my, my second. Let me sit. You know, exactly. And breathe <laughs> consciously. Yes. Um, yes. And so, you know, I like what you said about really exercise. You know, they say that exercise is the most underutilized antidepressant that there is. And also food. I know for me, that's been a huge piece of it, of really taking care of myself and eating the best of the best that I possibly like, you know, that I like and I enjoy. So food for me has been a part of self-care. And like you said, you know, this grounding, getting outside, feeling the air and the breeze and, you know, just kind of movement because the movement that often will come a part of, you know, this whole kind of like your day. It's so funny. My girlfriend was like, you know, how's your days going? How are your days going? And I'm like, everything is wonderful until like 9 30, 10 o'clock. And then everything just goes to shit. Right. <laughs> Basically. Right, right. Because essentially, you know, in the morning, I'm like, okay, I have that routine. I have my practice. I get up, I do this, I have my coffee. Okay, great. And then all of a sudden, the kids are like on like 10. And so to be able to accommodate that, I have been able to incorporate this early part of my day that is centered and grounded and focused that gives me about a good eight hours, maybe. Right, right, right. <laughs> and right. then like eight o'clock comes, I'm like, okay, I'm done. And they're usually done too. But, you know, not feeling guilty in, in the place of having to set boundaries for yourself. When I say exercise too, I mean, you know, first off, and I'm going to joke with you because you have twins at least the same age. They get to play with one another, which is, I'm sure everybody says, right? I have like my five and two. So one wants to watch like Coco Melon. One wants to, you know, watch something different. You know, one wants to play one. It's just very different here. But I say this to my clients and I want to go into Glossy and why I'm building Glossy and what I'm doing with Glossy as well is I tell people exercises because, oh, I don't, I don't want to be on a treadmill. I don't want to go running. I'm like, no, 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 no. Exercise is mind. I look at my day every day and I'm like, what did I do for my mind? Did I read something? Great did point. I, did I Great sit point. in silence? Did I, um, whether I, did I, did I listen to something that helped me? Did I pray? Right. Cause I look at mind, I look at body. Did I stretch at least? Right. Did I, you know what? Listen, why do you think the iPhone watches, you know, the Apple watches, Right? Do you ever have, I don't know if you have an iPhone, but like all of a sudden it just says breathe, right? It just pops up. Did That's you right. breathe today? Well, because move. we don't realize that as a society, we don't even breathe and open our lungs because we're going so fast. Like our breath has become so short. So exercise doesn't mean going to run 10 miles. It's a mind exercise. It's then a body exercise of breathing, stretching, running, whatever, whatever you can do. I believe it's also an eating exercise. What are you putting in your body? What you put in your body is going to give you the energy for the day. You know, listen, I know the difference from a salad and a pizza. And I have some salads sometimes and I have pizza sometimes. It's okay. You know, I'm not, none of us are perfect where we're eating a carrot stick every day. And to me, that's not healthy either. You know, right. so it's also exercise comes in different forms. So and tell I, me, tell me what you're doing with Glossy Connection. Cause I yeah. love that. So, I love that name. Yes. Glossy is really, and it's been, oh my goodness, it's been a blessing. Like it's like one day in silence and I believe silence and prayer and just connecting with the universe will allow you to get the answers of what you're looking for. Right. And I'm not saying they're going to be like, here's a million dollars. I'm still waiting by the way. universe. <laughs> but I feel like in my quiet time, I was like, what can I do? Like, so I started something called living your vision now, right? People always talk about what they want in life, what they desire in life, what they deserve. When I, when I get older, when I have the money, when I retire, when I can, when, when, when. And I wanted to help find people to be able to live their vision now. Why can't it happen now? And, you know, my practices, um, you know, just to share, you know, I'm, I'm a mindset coach. I'm an achievement strategist. I really like helping people 
take whatever their goal is. And it could be something so simple. Julie, I just want to find the hour in my day. Let's go through your scheduler and see how we can balance that out, you know? So glossy came about because I feel, and it goes back to what you say, we lose ourselves in motherhood. We lose ourselves in careers. We lose ourselves in entrepreneurship. And my goodness, this entrepreneurship battle for me, you know, running my businesses has been an up and down. It, it just has been. And I mean, I'm blessed, but it's had its moments. So glossy is grateful, limitless, original, sexy, successful you. And I feel like when I speak with women, they're just like, I just want to feel good. And I'm not saying sexy walking around lingerie and hey, if that's what you want to do, just feel that sexy is confidence, that feeling of it's okay, that sexiness is when you know your worth. And so many of us lose that self-worthiness. So Glossy has been built on that. I've been, I built a course through it. I'm doing some coaching with it. And then what I've done on the side, and, and, and this is not to get off topic, I built a it's called Clear Financial Solutions. I built a credit and budget academy. And it's what I was noticing is when people talk about heaviness outside of motherhood and outside of who they are, finances always comes up. And I said, you know, I'm helping women reestablish who they are, go after what they want, or just find a sense of calm, a balance of, you know, a balance of love and money is what I keep saying. Glossy Connection is a balance of love and money. So I incorporated the financial aspect. And I'm not talking IRAs, stocks, none of that. I'm talking just clear. Let's talk about how you, how you use your money every single day, how you allocate it. Let's get your credit score up so that therefore you're feeling right. You're, you're starting to feel like there's a balance. Okay. I'm figuring who I am out. The money we're figuring out, it's not a two month process. We're, we're figuring ourselves back out again. Right. At 25, right. maybe some 25, I was like, how much is it? 4,000. Here you go. <laughs> now you're like, how much is it? 4,000. Wait a minute. <laughs> right. You know? So it's been a beautiful journey seeing women step back into their gloss. You know, mm, I love that. I love that acronym. That's so powerful. And so when you look at your business and uh, so first of all, let me ask you, when did you start Glossy Connection? So Glossy Connection is going into its second year. I'm in the process of relaunching it. It started off as Living Your Vision Now, but I really wanted something, right? Like I wanted something to pop more. Living Your Vision Now sounded great, but glossy. Like, oh, I want that glow. And I said, you know what? This is, so it's been in the making for a while. Going okay. on years, but now I feel very grounded in it mm-hmm. because life has happened. And I, I want to share this because we're, we're in the process right now of me and you talking of, you know, how motherhood happens. And when my son came, we were buying a house. So I kind of had to put everything on pause because I didn't want to overpromise and under, under deliver right. to my clients. And, and I really wanted to take a step back and really look at what Glossy could be, what it was and what it could be. And now I feel really good about where it's going. And yeah. so you started the business when you had a three-year-old or four-year-old, right? Yeah. Okay, so here's the question. How did that look like? So those moms who are out there who are like, I want to start a business. I want to be an entrepreneur, Um, but my kids are young or I don't know if I can really do this. Where do I start? How did you start? And what did that look like? Right. So let's summit, let's step back a bit, right? We're talking about Glossy two years. However, we had Living Your Vision before that. And I was in network marketing when I first left my corporate company. I kind of panicked and I was like, what am I doing myself? Oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. I'm going from making so much money and now I'm pregnant. She's going to need more from me. And, you know, we planned Dave and Mackenzie. So I don't know why I went into such a crazy frenzy, but I did because there's those pressures, right? right? So it's been an evolving journey. And I think what people tend to think about is always the results. They don't mm-hmm. talk about the journey enough, right? Right. And so that's why this yeah. is so key. And, and the gift to shift is really about uncovering and kind of lifting the lid off of the process. Right. And I, th- I, for me, you know, through my process and looking at it all, it's got to obviously, it's got to start with yourself. And I say that because it sounds like, all right, I know I have to start myself. It's like, first of all, what drives you? What makes you happy, right? You can't, this is where social media comes into play. You look at these people and you're like, oh, but they're building these businesses and look at what drives you, what makes you happy? What's your purpose? What do you want to do? Let's just answer that. And I think that you have to also look inside, okay, what's going to block me? Do I have what do I need to heal with inside of me first? Because I didn't do the healing part in the beginning. Right? <laughs> all my, all my self doubt came up at a certain point. All of my insecurities came up. Sure. Yeah. So I think first, you know, everybody wants to have like the picture perfect of 
scheduling and what's the best business. It's like, first you got to look at me like, what makes you happy? What do you want to do? If you want to knit something all day, that's fine. If you, you know, it, are you the seller? Are you the person who's going to knit it and give it to somebody to say it? Everybody also, I feel like you have to figure out what it is you want to do and make yourself happy because everybody wants to be everything. And I don't think that's the right answer. I think you have to let go. I think if that would be let go, understand, you don't have to be the master at everything. Find that little niche, that little piece and go from there. So find your why, your purpose, and then essentially take it to the next step, which is now that you have your why and your purpose, it really does drive you. I know that's happened for me and this kind of redefining who I am as a mom has been part of that, really finding what my purpose was. And obviously loving your children and your husband is a staple, is a given, you know, and that doesn't compromise who you are as a mom, just because you're focused on creating something that's in your your deepest heart's desire or something that leads you towards your greatest and highest good of what it is that you want to create. You have this idea and then, you know, like you said earlier, this doubt that kind of comes in and just kind of knocks you off your feet and you're just like, oh gosh. You know, I agree with you when it comes to that, that whole process, the uncovering process of how people that you see kind of all together, everything is working. There's so many, it's like a duck in the water. You know, you don't see their feet going, 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 but they're moving, you know, and there's a tremendous amount of energy that comes forth from that. And that really comes forth from that purpose and that drive. And so one of the things that I find particularly interesting is this sense of uncovering the process of really figuring out what you want, so your purpose and your why, but then the action or the activity. And it seems as though glossy connection really kind of connects the dots on that of just really saying, okay, if you are having an issue with X, Y, and Z, let's kind of open it up and kind of figure out what's working and what's not working there in order to move to the next place on your journey or creating financial freedom so that you can go ahead and get towards your heart's desires or get to what it is that you want to get. Now, the transition into motherhood is one thing, but the transition, I feel there's another transition and that's a transition back into who you are as a woman. Right. That's exactly. And I, I mean, that's huge, right? I, I, I want to share, say this. Often I've talked to women and they're like, I'm like, what's your why? And they feel a need to always have to say their kids. And I'm going to say this. Yes, your kids are important. Yes, they're your driving force. But it's okay to give a different why sometimes because I find that when, when moms say, and I'm helping them launch their businesses and I'm helping them take the next step, oh, my kids. And I just like, I don't see it matching because I don't see the drive because they feel like they have to say kids. It's okay to say something else, moms. And if you're hearing me, it's okay. It's okay to say, you know what? Because I want my own car. Or you know what? I want to be able to afford a, a you know, a, a, a nanny to come in for three times a week. Whatever it is, like, it's okay to look at a smaller goal. And, you know, when I became a mindset coach, I loved it, right? I was like, okay, we're going to work on the mindset. But I'm like, mindset is great, but you have to take action next, You know, I think that's what's missing sometimes. Like, I am a recovering perfectionist. I laugh because it's so funny. I was still trying to be a recovering perfectionist. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But it's important too. That's why I talk about the exercise of the mind, body, and and, um, spirit, and soul, and all that. But it's then taking the next step and take and having the confidence, or not even knowing where the next step is, but just jumping you know, letting go and saying, you know, you kind of have to look at yourself in the mirror. And I posted this. So you have to look at yourself in the mirror and be like, what is it that I want? We don't look at ourselves enough. We don't take that time to like really say, what is that? We'll look at it. What, Julie, what do you want? You know I me, mean? women right now I've spoken to, they're like, Julie, I don't even know the last time I really looked at myself in the mirror. Right, right, right. <laughs> right? So even I'm though- laughing because I can relate. It's like, <laughs> did I look at myself in the mirror today? You know, what do I look like going out to the store and taking care? You know, because it, it does, it becomes so much that you're just like, okay, how do I get ahead of this? How do I get back into center? Not get ahead of it, but like, how do I ground myself in this new role of who I am and what I've created? And now I have these beautiful children and this incredible family, or 
however your family dynamics may look like. But how do I ground myself in that and kind of readjust and align to who I am apart from the kids, apart from my husband, apart from even my business right. of just really figuring out who you are, because that's where it's at. That's right. That's I used to, I got to tell you, I remember when you changed your name on Instagram and it said a gift to shift. And I got to tell you, uh, that has stuck with me because I think it's beautiful that you're really taking your time to, you know, shift yourself, right? We're always shifting ourselves, but really exploring and working towards helping others shift because it is a gift. And I think that the shift, part of the shifting process is taking that that chaos mentality sometimes we have or that organized chaos and bringing clarity. And it doesn't have to be this whole drawing out. People say, Oh my God, but I have to come up with a business plan and no, just slow down. Listen, if you could write a list when you're going to the shopping, to the supermarket of what you need, if you can write a list of how you're going to pack for vacation, if you can write a list of back to school supplies, take time and write a list of what you need to do for yourself or what you need to accomplish. And I feel like, we put a pressure on ourselves, right? Let's, let's use an example of what moms do. Well, you know what? My kids wake up at 7 a.m. I'm going to start waking up at 5 a.m. tomorrow. Meanwhile, they've been waking up at 6.45 this whole time, right? It's like we want to jump because we're all stupid. We want to just jump in and shift so fast and so quickly that sometimes we fall on our face, which falling on our face is okay. But imagine if you said, tomorrow I'm going to wake up at 6.30 instead of 6.45, yeah. And a couple of days later, I'm going to wake up at 6.15. And I'm using this small example because if we apply that in everything, small steps, then all of a sudden, before you know a month into it, you're waking up at five if that's really what you want to do. And you're feeling good about it. And I think when you're shifting, you have to take baby steps. And then there's some steps that are a little higher than others. And when we write stuff down or bring a little, you know, some clarity to what we want to do, it feels good. But if we don't sit down and write down a couple of things to bring clarity, to be able to shift. It's not going to work. And I did that in network marketing. I went from saying, I'm going to, you know, be a crystal director to being a millionaire by next week. And I wasn't a millionaire in a week. And I was like, Oh my gosh, I failed. And what did I do wrong? And because we over, I overthought the process and I, you know, I set myself up for failure and that's okay. I learned from it, but I didn't want to take the little steps and it's okay to take those little steps to get there. Right. Because well, back to social media, that's what I think we see. Those images are there like, wow, she's doing this. And wow, this has happened. And wow. Okay. So it's a jump. It's a movement. It, uncovering that process kind of uh, creates authenticity and transparency, which I feel that social media is just now coming into its own with that. Because now there's an uncovering and it's not disguised or it's not as filtered, you know, in social media terms, that this is really what it's like. And this is who we are. And that sense of intention, you intend to create. And so my coaching practice is focused on that. Those are the pillars, intention, creation, and then implementation, because you have to have an intention first. I love that. Thank you so much. To, yeah. to, to be able to kind of like intend, you intend your reality, you, your intention creates your reality. And I have never, uh, really up until this past year, never really understood the depth and the, the power behind putting an intention out there and just really creating it. So the intention is really the fundamental principle to right. creation. And so when you look at kind of, your, you know, I spoke to another guest and she said, her name was Carla. And she says, I declare everything. Mm -hmm. And I remember thinking that's so perfect. She's like, I'm going to go take a shower now. And she declares it, you know, and she says, yeah, she says little and big things I declare. And, you know, when I was talking to her, we were talking about something else, but when she said it, I thought, wow, that's pretty powerful, you know, to be able to intend, declare, and then create. And it can be the smallest things like taking a shower or like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to clean that, right. or I'm going to organize this, or I'm going to make this stop or whatever the case is. And that point to your point of taking small steps, just intend to make, take a small step. I, I believe intentional living for me has changed my world. I literally wake up after saying my thank yous, you know, to God and the universe for waking me up and just what I'm grateful for. I always wake up and say three things I'm grateful for. Three is my favorite number. So that's what I stick with. I say three things that I'm grateful for. And I say, this is what I intend to do today. I will, this will be done. And so it is. And what I used to do is I used to write it on a post-it the night before what I needed to get done. 
little things, big things, just a couple things. And I used to also put it on my steering wheel so that I knew where I was in the process. I'm just not going anywhere right now. (laughs) So it's kind of like me and my husband, we have a board as well. And I just put it up there because we tend to forget. It just happens, you know, and I used to um, put a rubber band around Mm. my wrist and I would snap it whenever I felt like doubts or anything like that. And I was taught that years ago. And I will say for me at work, because it kind of, what, what was the goal? What were we supposed to be getting done? Like, don't lose focus, whether it's feelings, inter- internal feelings changing that, whether it's external circumstances. So I believe in the power of intention wholeheartedly. I've seen myself manifest. I've seen people manifest it. And I feel the more we say it, right, not only are we putting it out into the universe, we're actually programming our mind. That's right. Right? We're telling ourselves this is what's going to happen. This is what's going to happen. That's why I also be, tell people, be careful with some of those negatives because it can happen. So I sure. love that you're, I love that you're being, you're talking about inter, uh, intentional living as well. Cause it, it's important. You it feel important. good. Your posture yeah. changes. Everything when changes. Your energy, you everything. Yeah. Goals. Just one thing that like, I love that she's saying, I am going to take, I'm going to shower. Like, gosh, you know, that's important. Yeah, it is important. God meets you at the point of action. You know, and if you can really um, take that on, because after being in coaching and mentoring for 18 years, I've always said action is first and then there's motivation. So, you know, you usually don't get motivated to create action. It's usually action, especially if you're stuck. Action is really what creates motivation. Right. If I look at my life, I've trained. So if you change the word from trained to coaching, right? Because that's really what I was doing in retail. It's what I did in network marketing when I was building my right. team. It's what I'm doing now. My goodness, I feel like I've been for 20 years now, realistically. You know, 18, 15, is, you know, because we don't realize we're doing it in different aspects. Oh, sure, yeah. So many people have said to me, so Julie, oh my God, but I've been praying and I've been, you know, um, manifesting. And I, th- I said, that's great, what are you doing though? You've right. got to take a step. You've got to do some action. It's, you know, you can ask God and the universe or whoever you believe in, whoever's, you can do all that, but you have to really look at what can I do myself right. to right. step into this place that I envision. Because if, if you can see it, it can happen. I strongly believe that. You know, absolutely. You, you can visualize it, but you have to take steps there. And me, myself, when I went through after Ava McKenzie and I was kind of like, do I do the coaching? Do I take the next step in the coaching? I kind of was doubting myself. And I was like, I'm going to pray on it. And I was like, two months, I'm going to pray on it. I'm like, come on, Julie, what are we doing here? Right. You know? So as we come to a close, what is one nugget of information you can give out to all those moms, those moms particularly who are interested in, you know, starting something new to create? What is something that the Glossy Connection really kind of stands for that you can share with the audience? I would say let go, let God, because that's how I say it. Let go, let God, and start moving. You are magic. I strongly believe that. You are magic. You are possible. You've done the hard work. You're raising children. They're not easy. You've already shown what you can do for others. Do it for yourself. I'm so grateful to Julianne Gonzalez for her honesty and for sharing her insights. So be sure to pick up her contact information in the show notes. This was a huge topic and we just touched the tip of the iceberg. So many women have high levels of stress and anxiety, experiencing job burnout or inability to realize their full potential because of this myth of having it all. So take care of yourself. Be gentle and know that you already have everything within. For support and coaching, reach out to me at gifttoshift.com or check my information out in the show notes. So grateful for you being here and we'll talk next week.